You should have seen it. Yesterday, yesterday, I had a mob of people in my house. And it was a, let's see, it was a moving, painting, electrical, um, cleaning, uh, pizza party. Uh, and we just, everybody was just working. It was total chaos everywhere. It was wonderful. Um, but God was super gracious. And so, um, I don't know. I'm, I never cry. And I'm feeling weeping. It feels like it's coming on again. If you see me cry, don't point it out to me. And, um, but I'm very grateful. Words cannot express, cannot express how grateful I am to you, my family. And so I love you and I appreciate you and we're going to get into the text, okay? Alright, let's get into the text. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. Let's do it. So everybody, open up your... Um, open up your text. We're going to read a very important uh, word from God. Let's stand. Okay. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one that belonged belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. So, I was driving down one day, um, going to the Holland Tunnel. This is years ago. And uh, I used to work in New Jersey. And so, um, I, I... I was working in New Jersey, and I, 
And as I was driving down, um, a cop told me, you know how like when you get off the Williamsburg Bridge, you just go straight and then it's that little divot to go to the Holland Tunnel. Just It's kind of like a straight shot. And so there was a place where I got to where um, about halfway there where a cop was telling me to turn another direction, like stop going straight, turn in another direction. Well, the problem with that is that he didn't understand that that's not where I was going. He didn't fully appreciate that I had to go straight and not turn. So I figured that he misunderstand, misunderstood my intentions and went around the cop and went straight. Now, unfortunately, the next light was red. So he ran, pulled me over, and it was not a good day, or at least not a good morning. Right? But I, you know what it is? In my soul, I always have a problem dealing with people who tell me to do stuff that I don't necessarily want me to do. People who are in an authority who tell me to do stuff I don't necessarily want to. I wonder, do I, am I the only one who struggles with that? Yeah, I bet you have your story, right? Of people telling you, maybe growing up, mom said, don't hang out with those kids. Dad said, don't go down that road. You know, friends said, don't date that guy. And you were just like, you know what? I'm not trying to hear anyone else. I only want to do what I want to do. And so, I think we all struggle with this. And today, what we're going to see is another person. I love the Bible because it's so true and it's so good. And we're going to see someone who was directed by someone else to do something he didn't understand. But we're going to find today that obedience, not rebellion. Now listen to me. In the culture that we live in, it is normal to rebel against authority. In fact, our heroes, the ones we elevate, are the ones who rebel against authority. So what I'm going to speak to you today is totally countercultural. Now, you've got to listen, because let me tell you something. Rebels never end well. Just, like, in your life, you should know this. This is a principle for life. Rebels don't end well. They don't. I mean, we can go through a list of people who rebel. Rebellions don't end well, right? Um, and so you can kind of go on through history and you find out that um, that's true. Now, here's what I want you to know. In your life, some of the biggest pains that you and I have experienced is simply a deviation from a godly suggestion that has caused you pain. And some of you may not know that because you don't know God's word and you go, oh, well, where to, you know, what about this and what about that? I'm, I'm telling you. Um, I've, been at, I've been at several people's um, deathbed and I'm talking to them and they're just, you know, upset or angry at God or confused or whatever it is. And as I'm talking to them, I go, did nobody, you know, and they're at their deathbed. And the reason that they're dying is because of cancer caused by smoking. And I go, did nobody ever inform you that this is the only place that road ends? Did nobody ever tell you that? Did no mother, did no father, did no authority figure, did no doctor, did no one ever tell you that this is how this story ends? And of course the answer is yes. Yes, they did, but what would, they just rebelled. And so today we're going to talk about the joys of obedience.
And, um, and I think that it's going to be meaningful to all of us. We're going to find this story in the book of Luke. Luke uh, is an incredible uh, author. He writes, he's a physician and a historian. He's not a first-hand witness. He interviewed the first eyewitnesses, compiled all this information, checked, double-checked, and triple-checked all of his facts, and then wrote this letter to a guy by the name of Theophilus. Everything that I just told you is told in the first paragraph of Luke. He tells it to you as soon as you open it up. You don't even have to go into history. Just read your Bible. It's pretty cool. And so, Luke um, is writing this story to Theophilus, and he's telling the story of Peter and Jesus. It's an amazing story. And I'm just going to sort of skim. We've read it all. I'm just going to skim it, but um, I'm going to highlight a couple of things that I think are important. Uh, if you go down to... Um, well, let's, let's look at it again. Let's, I'll, I'll keep on reading and then highlight a few things. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water. He saw the water's edge. Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat and taught the people from the boat. Now watch this. Look up at me. So there's, here's the picture. Peter is a fisherman. Um, Peter, you, anybody here ever heard of Peter? Anybody, right? Like maybe one or two of you? Yeah, pretty famous guy, right? He's a, he's a hero in our stories, right? Okay, so Peter is a fisherman. That's how Jesus found him. That's his trade. That's what he grew up doing. Peter is, his job is to get up really late in the night, get on his boat, and if he has, you know, if it's, if it's a big enough uh, organization or company, he, ha- he hires some people, they fish, they bring it to the market, they probably take a few fish home, and then they go about their day. That's how they make their living. Well, Peter is done fishing. He's laying at the beach, and he's drying out his nets. As he's drying out his nets, this guy, Jesus, who Peter is not necessarily following, but knows about. They've encountered each other a couple of times. And Jesus is kind of, uh, Peter is kind of interested in the relationship. I know Jesus is very interested in the relationship. And so he's pursuing Peter. And that sort of exchange has been going on in Peter's life. Well, Peter is sort of working on his nets and he hears Jesus' sermon. And so he's working on his nets. Some, like some of you guys are working on your Facebook right now or your text messaging. Right? Yeah, some of you, you think it's, no, I'm taking notes. I know. And, uh, yeah, um, you're taking notes. I understand. And so, and so he's listening to a sermon and working on the nets. And it's been a long night and Jesus is preaching. That's the setting. We just read that in that paragraph. When he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, I'm sorry. Yeah. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, no, I skipped something, didn't I? Yes. He saw that water's edge, uh, let's go back to verse 2. Left their boats were fishing. Um, verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Now watch this. Jesus asked Simon to do something very simple. Very small. Here's the deal. 
Jesus, because he knows, but this is common knowledge, that if you ever, have you ever um, been on a lake? You could talk to somebody in conversational tones. Like if you're on a boat and there's a ton of distance between you, you can be 50 feet away and you can talk in conversational tones and not need amplification because the water carries your, your word or sound, right? And so you can, so Jesus knows he's going to create a, a, a actual natural amphitheater because remember back then they didn't have amplification. And so in order for Jesus to be able to speak to all the people, he needs to be able to be on the water so he could amplify his voice. Now here's the thing. He doesn't have a boat, so he gets on Simon's boat, Simon Peter's boat. And so he, tells, he gets on the boat and tells Peter, push me out a little bit. Now watch this. That is a very small obedience. Here's a principle, a principle for life. Jesus will never give you bigger things to do if you're not willing to do the small things. If you're not willing to be obedient in the little things, and believe me, some of the things that we think are big things are little things. Very little things. Poquito, right? Pequeño, chico, right? Very small things. Jesus will not give you. You go, why doesn't God use me in greater ways? Why aren't I being, um, uh, why don't I feel God's presence in my life in a powerful way? Why don't I? Because listen to me. Jesus doesn't give suggestions. Jesus doesn't give opinions. Jesus gives commands. And so if you're not willing to obey in the small stuff, why would he waste his time trying to get you to obey in the big stuff? That's an incredible principle because if you want to work out spiritually... Do you understand what I'm saying? Work out spiritually. Like we work out physically at the gym. You work out mentally at the classroom or in church. You work out. Um, if you want to work out spiritually, you've got to start the practice of saying yes to Jesus in the small things. Um, so, verse 4. So, they push out a little bit, and that's fine. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Look up at me. It's a little bit more commitment that he's asking for, Jesus is. Does that make sense? That Jesus doesn't, you know, Jesus doesn't take you from, you know how some of you think that if you give your life to Jesus, he's going to have you pass out rice in China, you know, like, um, right? Am I the only one who thought that? But there's a bunch of people, a bunch of us who think, oh man, if I give my heart to Jesus, he's going to make me a missionary in like Istanbul or something like that, right? And it's like, no, 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 it's, it, the exchange doesn't go that way. It actually, watch this, growth happens naturally. Just like your baby, you don't, you don't try to play catch with your baby in the first three months that they're born, right? You, just, you, you wait for natural growth to happen. And so Jesus sees obedience in the small stuff, and then he goes into a grander scale. He says, put out into the deep. Now, a couple of things that you need to know about Peter right now. He's tired. He doesn't have time for this. He's got a company to run. There's a lot of things to do. It's been a bad night, number one. Number two, he's got uh, people to pay, a business to run, uh, stuff to get all organized. And he's got, So fishermen, when they go out, right? Um, has anybody here ever gone out for fishing? Like any, any fishermen in the house, right? What time do you guys wake up to go fishing, generally speaking, right? If you're serious about fishing, like... Two or three in the morning, right? I'm Puerto Rican, so my father took me to um, go fishing uh, and the beach. Whenever it was fishing or the beach, right? Whenever he took me to go fishing, he only did that fishing thing once, but whenever it was the beach, my father would wake us up 
four days before we went to the actual beach. Did anybody hear it, right? Puerto Rican fathers don't know time, right? We would go to sleep at 8 o'clock at night, and like 8.30 at night, he would be like, wake up, it's time to go. I'm like, what are you doing? And so that's the way it would go in the, in the Puerto Rican household, right? So we would get up, and it would be real dark, and we would get ready, and we would go, and, and he would drive, and all that other stuff. Well, Peter's like that. He's Puerto Rican. With a name like Pedro, what else could it be, right? And so, and so, uh, I just made that last part up. All right. Um, so, Peter, Peter gets, he's been up all night long. He's been working with these nets. These nets are not like the nets that you catch, Cocolia, right? Like, they're not, they're not those kinds of nets. They are hundred pound nets. Not like 100 pounds where you have your feet planted and you could like lift and deadlift, but 100 pounds when you're on a shaky boat and you're using your back and your shoulders to try to hold. He takes these huge nets, they drag her on the ground and that's how they catch their fish. Now you got to understand, the nets need to dry out because you can't just wrap them up like that or it'll ruin the nets. So Peter is busy. He's got, he's got a bad night. He didn't catch anything. He's working. And here comes Jesus, the carpenter, telling him, Hey, you got a couple of minutes? Pull out into the deep. I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on. A lot of stuff going on. He says, pull out into the deep. Then he says something after this. He says something profound. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Do you see how crazy that sounds in the morning? Here's this carpenter telling this fisherman how to fish. You ever feel like when Jesus talks to you, you're the expert in the conversation? Like you're the professional. You have all the answers. Jesus doesn't know enough, but you're going to speak to Jesus. So Jesus, uh, Peter does what all of us do when Jesus asks us to do something that we don't want to do. He does this. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Have you ever done that? Have you ever told Jesus stuff that he doesn't know? Have you ever told God things that he's not, he doesn't know? Oh, but God, you can't have me do this. I'm too young. Oh, but God, I can't do this. I'm too old. Oh, but God, I can't do this. I don't have enough money. Oh, but God, how am I going to follow through with this? Have you ever, has God ever told you anything to do and you tell him what he doesn't know? Like you, you try to inform God. But God, don't you see the circumstances? I see them. I created them. And we see our circumstances and we see and we try to inform God. But that's not what God is looking for. God is looking for our obedience. And Peter responds in a way that will put... Peter doesn't know that the next sentence, his destiny hinges on the next sentence. He doesn't know what's at stake in this moment. He doesn't see... Listen, Peter right now is happy being a fisherman. He doesn't see all that will go on He doesn't see the cathedrals that will be built in his name throughout time. He doesn't see that he'll be one of the top ten most influential people in the history of the world. 
He doesn't see that millions and billions of people will find Jesus because of the work that he laid down, that Jesus laid down through him in his life. He doesn't see anything like that. All Peter sees is a great inconvenience in a moment that he wished couldn't happen. And he tells Jesus that stuff that he doesn't know. And then he says something that is epic. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And that's where we're going to camp out today. Listen to me. The difference between joy and sorrow in life, fulfillment of purpose and missing that purpose, listen to me, is all in that sentence. You need to listen right now what I'm about to say to you because every single one of us will come to the end of their lives and will look back on life and will either be glad or regret. And I want you so bad to be glad with what God did in your life. Peter says, but because you say so, I will. I believe that this should be the response of everyone to Jesus. See, my problem is, is that I don't speak to Jesus this way. I say, can you give me a little bit more information? Can I have a few more stuff? Can, do me a favor. Can you send me a 10-page contract? And I'll have my lawyer look over it. And if it looks like it's in my favor, I'll, I'll be happy to do but there are moments in life, listen to me, there are moments in life more often than you think that Jesus asks you to do something, go somewhere, or stay put, or, and wait on Him, and you don't understand why. There are moments in life where you go, okay, He's not, he's not Mr. Right, but He's Mr. Right now, and I'm not getting any younger. And I'll take Him. There are moments where, and, and God goes, no, 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 I want you to wait. Oh, but you know, I'm saying, listen, I want you to wait. But don't you understand, I have needs, I have desires. I want you to wait. But don't you understand, I've been struggling with this my whole life. I want you to wait. Listen. And you have a choice to go forward with your bright idea or to be obedient to Jesus. Sometimes it's go forward. Sometimes it's, God, I've met a healthy person, but I'm, I don't do well with healthy. Can you please help me to go forward in the relationship? And he says, go forward. And you have all this fear because they don't have tattoos on their eyelids or something like that. Right? And you just go, okay, you know, I'm going to go with healthy. Listen to me. God is not going to give you your opinion. God is not going to give you his opinion. God is not going to give you a suggestion. God is going to give you a command. Now, I remember one time I was fasting years ago. It was, uh, I was at a cabin, and I, the fast was supposed to be over at 4 p.m. I was fasting for seven days. And so, for seven days I had drank water, and about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I was in the cabin, and they had like a little sort of electric, you know, a little stove thing. And I put, the, I put a soup on, because I was going to break the fast at 4 o'clock. Me and Jesus had talked about it, and then he said 4, so I did 4. But I put the soup on at 3 because I was hungry. Right? And so I wanted the soup to sort of simmer. And, you know, so that by when, when the clock said 4 o'clock, I'm like, I'm there. Right? I was ready. So I put the soup on. 
And I'm, I'm praying for that hour. And I realized, it struck me, that what I was asking for direction about, I don't have any more clarity than I did the six days before, the seven days before. I was like, what's going on with that? So I started to pray about it, and I, I just don't hear anything. And I go, but God, this is... T-. And so, you know, I ever get in those moments where you're just kind of upset. You see, God, come on, man, you've got to talk to me, man. If you don't talk to me, how am I going to know where to go? And he's, I, I heard this one, these two words. Say yes. I was like, that's odd, because that doesn't help me at all. Say yes. So I prayed a little bit more and I started to ask God for help and, and a few minutes later I heard the same thing. Say yes. Amen. I was lost. And so I said, see, what, what, what are you doing? And after praying for a little while longer I realized that God was not going to tell me what direction He wanted me to go unless I was willing to lay everything down and go in whatever direction he would lead. Because the fact is, I got my own ideas. And when I go to God and ask for his um, direction, what I'm really asking is for his suggestions. I'm not asking, oh God, what do you want for this relationship? I'm not really saying, hey, if you want me to leave, if, you want me to, if I'm dating or, or anything like that, if I'm, if I'm dealing with my finances, I'm not really being serious about the finance question. I just want to hear your opinion. Like I have seven people that I hear their opinion, right? It's my best friend. It's my co-worker. It's my, it's my, uh, my spouse, Jesus, and the plumber. Those are the people that I have together that I'll listen to their opinions and then I'll choose. I'll be the authority. I'm going to be the one who makes the decision. And Jesus is saying, I'm not down with that party. I'm not going to go. I'm not down. And so, Jesus told me to say yes. And it was during that moment where I just said, you know what, Jesus? If you want to send me to Istanbul, I'll go. If you want me to resign, if you want me to take my family into another country, if you want me to go anywhere... I just want to, I want to do whatever you want me to do. And it was amazing how clear the direction was after that. Listen to me. You gotta get to the point. You gotta ask God for grace. You can't do it. That's the good news. The good news is that you can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. And so you gotta go, Jesus, help me to say yes in the small things, like Peter. Say yes in the small things so that when the big things come, but you gotta say yes first. So he goes on. And so they let down the nets, verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that so full that they began to sink. Could you imagine how crazy that is? All night you don't catch any fish. A carpenter, who you think doesn't know much about fishing, obviously he's telling you to fish it in the morning. And you catch more than you can possibly um, have. When Simon Peter saw this, look up at me. What do you think Simon Peter is going to say after he sees this? Okay, if it was me, I would say, hey Jesus, can we do this every day? Can you just like, can I meet you here? I'll listen to one of your sermons. We go out on the boat. You tell me where to, you know, you tell me where to put the boat. Tell me where to throw off the nets and I'll do it. Hey, can you bless me like this? Hey, Jesus, thanks for the house. But could you give me another one? Hey, Jesus, thanks for the promotion. But I don't want to pursue you. I want to pursue the promotions and continue pursuing the promotions or the finances. Oh, Jesus, 
Thank you for this person. I'm going to continue pursuing them. Thank you very much. I'm going to ignore you now, and I'm going to pursue them. See, here's the deal. There's a response that we get to blessings that can even be more destructive than, um, than when we go through difficult stuff. In fact, for every person, every person who, could, um, who has difficulty dealing with temptation, I'll point you ten who have difficulty dealing with success. Ten who decide that they're going to make success or that person or that finances their God. Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he saw this incredible catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Because when we receive the blessings from God, it humbles us. You never get before Jesus, receive the blessings from Jesus, and say, I'm going to now pursue this thing. No, no, no. When you do, you just see Jesus as greater. And you see him as more beautiful. Verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. I bet they were. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed me. Is that the way you expected that story to end? If you read it with fresh eyes, here's how I would have done it. I would have collected all the fish, I would have counted it, I would have made my profit, I would have paid my employees, I would have said, you see guys, you see what a brilliant guy I am? And I would have said, Jesus, just make sure you tell me to do the same thing tomorrow. And then I would have done it again, and I would have taken complete credit for all the things, and, and then I would have wrote a book called How to Catch a Lot of Fish When the Sun Rises. Right? And I would have published that and I would have been like, you know, sold a million copies, you know, the purpose driven fisherman, right? And it would have sold a ton of copies and I would have been really, really good. You know what Peter does? Listen to me. You catch all this fish. You make all this money. You get the love of your life. You get everything that you dreamed about and you wanted. You finally get the great marriage. The kids are finally doing well. Rather than making a God of the catch, Jesus followed the God of the catch. Rather than idolizing the stuff that Jesus gave him, Peter pursued the one who gave it to him because Jesus was far better than the catch. My desire for you and for me is that we would be a community of people that would say yes to Jesus. That we would be submitted to Him. That we would be able to leave the fish, the stuff in our life that we think is such a blessing, but it hinders us from pursuing Jesus. Now, the, the ushers, the hosts, they're going to be coming up and they have a couple, bunch of cards. Um, they're going to be giving you their, their Recovery House of Worship's gift to you to remember the series that we were in. And it's just, uh, we've been in a series called Roots for the last uh, seven or eight weeks. And um, you'll see, remember when we started with Christ at the center? That was the first week. And then we talked about the Word. That was the second week. And then we went on to prayer and service and fellowship and witnessing and all that. And today we're talking about living in obedience. So guys, go ahead and come up. But here's what's going to happen. As you receive this, here's what I want you to think about. Listen to me. Do you see in the text where it says Peter's response? And he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. P- 
Peter's response is the most important response in all of his life. He could never know how significant it would be, even at the end of his life. But that was the pivot point. B-Y-S-S-I-W Because you say so, I will. I want that to be your response to Jesus. Because you say so, I will. Let me tell you, um, when, when, I was, when we were doing a church plant, we were doing a, a little Bible study, Jesus asked me to quit a job. And for me, it was like the best job ever. I have seventh grade education. I don't... I mean, I ha- I'm not going to get any union jobs. Nobody, I don't got the hookup or anything like that. So I went and I got this union job. And it actually had benefits like medical and things like that. And I was working at this job. And Jesus told me to quit my job and serve this church full time. Now, at that point, I did what Peter did. I started to tell Jesus things that he doesn't know. Where am I going to make my money? I don't have any money to do this. And all this other stuff. Listen to me. Now, by the way, I want to say this clearly. Jesus leads us each individually and uniquely. I don't want any of you lazy goats to go, Oh, Jesus is telling me to quit my job. No, 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 no. Stay at your job. Stay at your job. And every wife goes, Amen. Right? Yeah, yeah. Husband, stay at your job. Yeah, for real. For rizzle. Alright, so... Right? So here's the deal. So, but now watch this. So now watch this. Jesus has never asked me to part a sea with an army behind me. He asked Moses to do that. That was unique to Moses. This is unique to me. Do you understand? Okay. So he may ask you to do a million other things that he'll never ask me to do. I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there for clarity's sake. So Jesus asked me to quit my job and to spend all of my time. And I said, I had no money. I don't know how I'm going to do this. There's no way I can do this. And by the way, my wife is pregnant. If I leave the job, I lose the medical benefits. And it's going to cost $14,000 just to deliver this baby. And so Jesus said, I want you to leave. And so me and Jesus are wrestling for like a year about this. And one day during Psalm 121 and my devotional, which, by the way, you know when you'll hear Jesus the most? When you're reading His Word. During your devotional time. Like, you want to hear Jesus? Don't think it's so mystical. Oh, God told me to divorce my wife. Where would you find that in the Bible? God told me, you know, God told me to buy this car and put myself in so much debt that I'm up to my eyeballs and I'm stressed out. Where would you find that in the Bible? You would. Listen to me. You hear God's word from his word. Make sense? So I was in Psalm 121, and Jesus called me to full time. And I was compelled. I couldn't say no. And so I went, and I, you know, it was two days later because it was a weekend, and it was Memorial Day weekend. It was this weekend. And so on Tuesday, when I got to work, I told my bosses, that's it. A few hours later, my wife called me and said this. I'm not inventing this. You can verify this with my wife. You can verify with everybody. I've I've told this story a bunch of times, but everybody knows. My wife calls me up and she says, Did you put $2,300 in the bank? I was like, No. Where would I get, silly, where would I get $2,300? I don't have 23 cents. And she goes, It's in the bank right now. 
I said, for real? Do me a favor. Go down to the bank. Take it out right now before they realize their mistake. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. That was a joke. That's a joke. I did not do that. That's absolutely... That's a joke. Um, I didn't do that. I actually told her, I said, okay, don't do anything with the money. They're going to f- realize their mistake and then take it out. Right? That wasn't what happened. See, what happened was, is that Jesus for years had been asking me to do small things. And that obedience set me up for one of the greatest journeys that I would ever go on. And so when he said, when he finally spoke through his word, and he said, Edwin, this is what I want you to do. I worked in this community for free for three years. You couldn't pay me a dime. And Jesus never let me miss my rent. And my kids never went hungry. And he just showed himself faithful, miracle after miracle. I could tell you stories. But because he was doing it. Um, we, we started a men's home in our, you know, for homeless guys. And we, we started it. And uh, I would sleep on the floor with the guys. And there were was, there was some people in the last service. There was at least two guys from the last service who had, were one of the guys that we took from the floor, from the street onto the, on my floor. And, um, and my daughters would sleep with my wife. And, but I would have never known the journey that I'm on now. I would have never known. And then there was moments where it felt like the floor fell out. It felt like everything went wrong. Many of you know I was homeless for over two years. And everybody's saying, hey, you got to stop this. you got to go into the corporate world. you got to be able to make some more money so that you can... And I was like, no, this is God's call. And if it's God's call, it's God's responsibility. If God says go, then God's got to provide the way. It's not my problem, it's His problem. I'm just, I, I just, I'm just going to say, Jesus, because you say so, I will. Then He got us this beautiful place in, um, by the beach in the Rockaways. A lot of you were there. And, and we went there, and then it got swept away. And I said, God, what is this? This ain't right. I got a family. This is not a joke. This is my family. And in the last eight months, we've moved three times to different people's houses who were gracious enough to let us stay. And yesterday, and last, not yesterday, last week, we closed on the house. And you're going to see it. And you're going to be amazed by it. You're going to be blown away. You're going to go, oh no. My pastor can't have like you know again you know it's gonna you know I don't know how you're gonna go, but but here's my point. My point is is that it all starts with obedience. Now listen to me. Do you know how Peter's life ends? Do you know how his life ends? His life ends him getting crucified upside down. Him getting crucified upside down. You know why he gets crucified upside down? He requests it. He didn't feel worthy. To be crucified like Jesus was crucified. He didn't feel worthy to be killed in the same manner. So he had said yes so much throughout his life that even in at the face of death, he said yes. He said yes again. And I want that for you. I want every one of you to be able to experience the joy. See, here's, 
Here's what Peter did not have. You and me have a 20-minute sermon. And we know, we know, we have enough Bible in us to know how the story ends. But Peter didn't have that. For him, it was as risky as you can imagine. He was leaving his business. Where is he going to make his money? How is he going to provide for his family? What is he going to do? What, what's retirement going to be like? If he lives to a ripe old age, how will he be able to take... He left it all behind and knowing nothing, how nothing would end. Just like God is speaking to you. And he's asking you to do something small. You think it's big, but it's small. And he's saying, come on, come on. You have no idea what that's... You know who, who crucified Peter? He was a ruler. His name was Nero. Nero is the name we give to our dogs 2,000 years later. Peter is what we name our sons. See, Peter did not have me. I wish I could have gone down in a time machine, gone to that moment and go, Peter, don't even talk, bro. Just let down your nets. You don't understand. It's going to be epic. You're going to be one of the top ten most celebrated people in the history of the world. People are going to read your writings for thousands of years to come. You are going to lead thousands. In just a few years, you're going to lead thousands of people to Christ yourself. And when you die, millions, if not billions of people will come to Jesus because of what you've done and because of your discipleship. You, Peter, if you do this, you're golden forever. Your name is going to ring bells throughout eternity. He didn't know any of that. He was just obedient in the small things. See, you don't know where your obedience will lead. You know, many of you are going to have to give a lot of thanks to Peter when you get to heaven. You're going to say, Peter, man, thanks for putting that book in the Bible. Thanks for being obedient. Thanks for taking one for the team. Thanks for following Jesus. Thank you for going in that direction. Listen to me. God wants you to be obedient. So here it is. For the rest of this week, what I want you to do here is anywhere on this thing. I want you to carry it around, put it in your wallet. We made it small enough that you could put it in your wallet, your pocket. Use it as a bookmark if you like. But here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down B-Y-S-S-W. S-S-I-W. B-Y-S-S-I-W. Because you say so, I will. Now, I want you to put it in a prominent place. Put it on your your medicine cabinet, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your office, put it on your dashboard. But I want you to write down B-Y-S-S-I-W because you say so. I will. Listen. God wants to hear your yes. Now, I have an exercise for you. And I just want you to just I'm going to be directing you in a prayer, okay? But I want you to play along, okay? Now, before I do that, I want you to know this. This week, God is going to ask you to do small things in obedience to Him. After this service, after the last service, someone did an epic, an epic, they wrote a check of generosity to a family. Epic check. Like, this is not a millionaire. They wrote more. They said, this is, 
And the family will tell you that it was exactly what they needed to get to the next thing. And the, 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 uh, the per- I, I can't tell you the person, I can't tell you the family. But the person who gave it said they were struggling with that for a week. And then God is going to ask you this week. Now, for, for the person, it was a check. Right? For you, it might be humbling yourself um, before your boss. It might be obeying God's word. Right, wives? It might be you know, submitting to your husbands. Or husbands, it might be laying down your lives for your wives. Children, it might be obeying your parents. It might be a small thing from God's word. But I'm telling you, you have no idea where little obediences will get you. So, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have your hands closed like this. I want you to bow your heads and pray with me. Just close your hands. This is an all-skate. Everybody play. Alright? Everybody do this. Now, here's... Now, in your clutched fist, I want you to picture... I want you to picture all the things that you feel like you can't live without. Him. Her. It. That. Them. I want you to picture it. And as you picture it, I'm going to pray for you. Just picture it there while I pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, this moment where we can in fact come to you with the stuff that we have, that we hold so dear in our lives. Some of it is sin. Some of it is good stuff that we made to God's stuff. Father, I pray that you would help us to release the things in our lives. Help us to release the things in our lives that aren't you. The fish in our lives that we hold on to. Lord, help us to release it. The possibility of a relationship, the possibility of anything. Whatever it is, Lord. Now I want, amen. I want you to stay in prayer. Stay with your fists closed, eyes closed in prayer. In a couple of seconds, I'm going to ask you to let it go to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to release it to Jesus. That no matter what he says, if he says keep it, if he says move it to somewhere else, if he says, says no, I don't want that, I don't want you to, I don't want that thing to have a hold on your heart. I want you to just be willing to say, you know what? Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. I don't even know what you're going to say, but because you say so, I will. I give you my yes before you give me your command. So on a count of three, if you're willing to let go and just say yes to Jesus in no matter what area of your life, in about 15 seconds, I'm going to ask you to let go. You got that thing in your mind? Okay. One, two, three. Let it go if you're willing to let it go. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray, God, that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, firstly, I pray for those who still just can't let go of their hopes, their dreams, their relationships, their loves, their, the 
things that are good that they're making into gods. Father, I pray that throughout this week, the comfort of our souls will be Jesus as we say, because you say so, I will. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in and through our lives. Motivate them, move them, direct them to open their hands to be surrendered to you completely. For those brothers and sisters here, Lord, who in fact open their hands and say, doesn't matter, everything in my life, my hopes, my dreams, my future, my past, my present, everything is yours, Jesus. And I say yes before you ask the question. B-Y-S-S-I-W Because you say so, I will. Not because I understand. Not because I'll benefit from it. Not because my family will be rewarded. Not because people will look at me and say, Oh, what a guy. But because you say so, I will. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, you would give us congregation, collectively and individually, and obedience to Jesus like we've never known. And may we know the joy that Peter knew in all his days. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless.